0: Thanks for finding us. This is a message recorded at Fairfax Assembly in Bakersfield, California. You can find out more at fairfaxassembly.com. So I want to talk to you about prayer for a few minutes today. So please turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 29. There were all kind of spiritual blessings that came, I think, as a result of 40 days of prayer and fasting, but there were some very tangible as well. You realize we took in, uh, we were able to give our our missionaries $1,000. That's a sizable offering from a church our size. But even more exciting is a number of people felt committed to turn in faith promises for world missions, a monthly gift every month they would be giving for world missions. And those total over $320 every month. That's tremendous. That's a huge boost to our missions giving. So there were spiritual blessings, there were financial blessings, and tangible things that happened, all as a result of prayer. So let's talk about prayer for a few minutes. There's an interesting story here in chapter 9 of Mark. Jesus has been on a a mountaintop with three of His inner circle, Peter, James, and John. They have been allowed to witness a remarkable event we call the transfiguration, wherein Jesus is in conversation with Moses and Elijah, and and he is glorified in front of them. In other words, he glows. And the reason he glows is because a little bit of his glory as God, they know him as a human being, but a little bit of his glory as God has begun to leak through. Not all of it, or it would have knocked them on their senses, but a little bit of it has begun to leak through and he He is transfigured in front of them, brighter than the sun. And they witness this, and it's a dramatic event in their life. But now they're coming back down the side of the hill from that event. And as they're coming down, they look ahead, Jesus and these three, and they see a large crowd has gathered around the remaining disciples. The other nine that are still there. They've been left behind and now there's a huge crowd that's gathered around them and they see that in the middle of it there is commotion because the scribes, the professional scripture quoters, they have come and and they are arguing with the followers of Jesus about something or other. Kind of like flies that will gather around a festering wound. Something is clearly wrong and here are the scribes to make it even worse. And they're arguing with the followers of Jesus. Now Jesus comes into that scene, and the crowd sees him, and the crowd leaves arguing with them and runs over to Jesus because there's some kind of a dilemma, some kind of a problem that needs to be taken care of. And they run up to Jesus, and and he says to the people, what is going on here? What are you talking about with my followers? And one of the crowd singles himself out and marches front and center. And he says, teacher, what I've done here is I brought my son and I presented him before your followers who are advertised as being able to cast out demons because my son is demonized. He's been set upon by a demon. And I brought him... And your followers said that they could take care of the problem, but they haven't. And he goes on to describe his his dilemma and his son's problem, his torment. He says what, what happens is this demonic force that has come into my child makes him unable to speak. How would you like it if your healthy child suddenly couldn't speak? And my boy cannot talk because of this thing that's possessed him. And the thing at its its pleasure will seize hold of my son. And, And it slams him to the ground. Imagine now. And he begins to foam at the mouth and he grinds his teeth. In fact, I think it's the NIV that describes this and says that when the enemy does this, it is robbing the boy. And my son will stiffen out. And and I brought him in that state to your disciples to cast it out. They said they could not, they could do it, but they did not do it. And so they're kind of in the same category as that fig tree that Jesus approached one time and left withered. It looked healthy on his approach. And that fig tree, it promised much, but it delivered little. And they're in that category. They boasted much, we can do it, but they were unable to deliver. And that's why the Father now is appearing before Christ. And Jesus answered, and He rebukes the people that should have done the job and can't. And then He turns His attention to the Son, because the thing has seized the Son at that point. And he's convulsing and rolling on the ground. And it's an alarming spectacle, foaming at his mouth as he is. And while this is going on, Jesus turns to the father who is broken. And he says, how long has this been happening to your little boy? And he said, since birth. Since he was very young. And he goes on and gives more data. He says, sometimes this thing will cause him to be thrown into the fire. And we have to be careful because sometimes he will roll into a pool of water. And we're afraid it's going to destroy him someday. But Jesus, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. Not just help the boy, help me too. Jesus picks up on his phrase, if you can do anything, and he says, if I can do anything. All things are possible to him that believes. And the next thing he does, the boy's father cries out and he says, I'm trying my best to believe, help my unbelief. That's the most honest cry in all of scripture. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. That's a confession, at the same time it's a request. And the crowd was beginning to gather, and it was getting a little out of hand. And so he rebukes the unclean spirit, and he says, You deaf spirit, you mute spirit, you filthy thing, come out of that little boy. I command you to come out of him, and don't go back in again. So there's double commands there, come out, don't go back in. And the boy cries out, he shrieks out, and he's thrown again to the ground, and the thing comes out of him, and he's so still, and he's so peaceful, and the contrast now is so great to the convulsions and the foaming that people say, maybe the kid is dead. He's just delivered, that's all. And when Matthew tells this story, he says that Jesus takes this little boy and picks him up and hands him off to the Father. But now he's well. Later on, there's a debriefing. And the unsuccessful followers of Jesus who had advertised much and delivered little, they want to know what's happened here. What just happened? And so they're in a private place in a home somewhere and the debriefing takes place and they begin to question Jesus and they said, why couldn't we do what you did? And he said to them, verse 29, chapter 9 of Mark, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. When one of the other gospel writers tells the story, he says, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer and fasting we just finished 40 days of that. This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Let's take that phrase, Jesus' answer there, and let's pick it apart for a minute, phrase by phrase. This kind, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. This kind, what kind? Well, look at At the story in verse 17 to find out what kind we're talking about here that can only come out by prayer. One of the crowd answered him, The father, teacher, I brought to you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. We find out later on that's only half the story. He's also deaf. And then we find out it's even worse than that. So this kind only comes out by prayer. What kind? The personal kind. This man brings his son. I brought you my son, my flesh, my child that I love. Somebody posted, somebody in here I think, posted a picture on Facebook last week of their kids and just put the the caption that said, my life, my life, my kids are my life. And parents, that's the way it is, isn't it? They're our life. No matter how old they get, how old we get. That's our life. And There's no reason to think that this father is any different. This is personal. What kind comes out by prayer? The personal kind. The greatest tragedy, I guess, would be to lose a child. I've watched people do that. When the natural order is backed up and the parent doesn't go first, the child goes first. I can't imagine what that would be like. I can only imagine what it would be like. But it's got to be the greatest of tragedies. This man has lost his child. All of the dreams that he's had for that child from the time he held him to the time he taught him how to walk. It's all lost now. Because this thing has gotten in the child and is tormenting him every day. And repeated every day is the loss of his child. So this is personal. What kind is it that comes out by prayer? The personal kind. But also from that verse 17, the difficult time kind. This child, he says to Jesus, is possessed with a spirit. A dark spirit. An ugly spirit, a spirit that's every bit the agenda that Satan is described as holding, the one who wants to kill and steal and destroy, is in that child. I don't know what it means to be possessed by a spirit. I only know that in the original language it says this child is demonized. He's set upon by some ugly force, some fallen angel force. Something that hates God is inside that child. It's difficult. What kind comes out by prayer? The difficult kind. If you look down at verse 18, it tells you just how destructive this thing is. And whenever it seizes him, this is the father's testimony, it slams him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he, and he stiffens out. Some versions indicate that what this child is doing is wilting away. Moment by moment as he's in the grips of this fit. I told your disciples to cast it out. They couldn't do it. It was too tough. It was too tough. And so you get detail there that tells you how difficult it really was. It's destructive. It's a suicidal spirit that sees this child. Look at verse 21, and that shows you how long. You see what the man says? He he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, from very small toddlerhood is what it means. A long time. What kind comes out by prayer? The difficult kind. The personal kind. The difficult kind. Do you have personal difficulties? Do you have things that are difficult in your life? But then there's the impossible kind. It's impossible. Even the disciples of Jesus couldn't handle this. What sadness, what resignation, what despair is in that verse 18 when the Father says, and they could not drive it out. It's hopeless. It's impossible. What's your difficulty? Whatever it is, I bet it's personal, isn't it? Personal to you. And maybe it's impossible, maybe you've exi- exhausted all the situations and solutions and hope for fixes, and it's all fizzled. You've, you've watched your dreams evaporate like thin mop water on a floor, and every time you think something is going to get better, the rug gets pulled out from under your best hopes, and it looks impossible, do what this father did. Run to Jesus. He interrupts what Jesus is doing, and it doesn't seem to bother Jesus at all. So run to Jesus. Do what this dad did. Nothing, the Word says, is too difficult for our God. Nothing is impossible with him. Now look at that phrase again, verse 29. This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Focus on the part of the phrase that says cannot come out. Cannot come out. In other words, it won't come out until something else happens. If, if certain things are done, this will be the outcome. But if those certain things are not done, then this will be the outcome. And doesn't that seem to be clear to you? that makes perfect sense. If you do it this way, this will be the outcome. But but you could do it this way, and that will be the outcome. It will be different. That seems to be very clear, doesn't it? That the outcome could be very different than what it is. cannot come out. The impossible thing can be altered, in other words. It doesn't have to stay in the impossible. It doesn't have to stay in the category of it can never happen. And I'm talking about your impossible thing right now. But something else has to happen first. It cannot come out unless unless what? Now you may may feel defeated. You may feel like you're pushed into a corner with your situation. And, and, And if that's the case... If you're in a hopeless place with something, then this is the best of good news when he says it cannot come out. That means that the universe is not closed. It's not locked into anything, and you're not locked into your troubles. The universe is wide open, and the possibilities truly are endless for the outcome. There's not just one predetermined way this has got to go. There's not just one very bad outcome that you've got to live with. God is bigger than that. And everything isn't already decided. Again, you're not locked into anything and you're not locked into your troubles. Look at the little side discussion that takes place in verse 22 and 23, Jesus and the man. And you hear weakness in his plea. But if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, there seems to be some weakness in that. You can hear it in his plea. He's just given Jesus the daily grind of his life. What life in their house is like with this thing that lives inside of his little boy, the endless fits when the demon decides when it's time to disrupt There could be a time of great joy in their family and the demon decides now is when it will act out and ruins everything. Ruins everything. The helplessness of standing by as his child is thrashing on the ground and shrieking in torment. That's that's every day for him. And he runs it down for Jesus. And everyday things like water, like the stove, those become death traps for this suffering boy. So it's no wonder it sounds so meek when he says, but if you can help. If you can help. There's meekness there. There's timidity. There's weakness there. But lay that next to the boldness and the certainty of what Jesus says and does. The one who has all power in heaven and earth and who knows the end from the beginning. And in this particular case, with this particular boy, he knows how this is going to end. In fact, the book of Matthew says that he will, again, hand that child over to his father, who at that point will be so grateful, so full of of emotion, that he's choking with gratitude. Jesus knows that's how it's going to tumble out. And he says, if I can, if I can do anything, All things are possible to the one who believes. We're not locked into a closed universe. Everything is not predetermined. He says, all things, all things are possible to him that believes. All is a very big little word. All. I want you to say all things. Okay, now say it this way. All things. It's a big word. This kind cannot come out, he says. You're not going to see any change by anything but prayer. To that loving parent with dealing with a daily tragedy that's beyond words, he says there is a solution and you will find it in prayer. If you'll embrace what Jesus is saying, if you will embrace what He's saying here and embrace it for your problems, no matter how long-standing your problems, no matter how immovable your troubles are, how entrenched or how impossible, if you will embrace what Jesus is saying, that all you've got to do is pray, then a huge weight is going to be lifted from you right now. And let me tell you why it will be lifted from you. Because if you will embrace the idea that what I've got to do is pray, you won't have to chase a bunch of dead-end solutions. Things that don't work. Now I'm sure when this father brought this afflicted son to the disciples that they did their dead-level best. Because they had had experience with this. They had gone out before, they had seen people delivered from demonic forces to the point that Jesus said, while you fellas were out there doing that, I watched Satan fall like lightning from heaven, you guys whooped up on him. (laughs) So they had done it before and doubtless they tried the same method again when the child is brought to them. They said whatever powerful words they thought needed to be said. They, They had tried whatever methods they thought had a chance of working They they prayed long, they prayed loud, for all I know, but they had failed to set this little boy free from his torment. Why could we not drive this stinking thing out? Because they had not prayed. How powerful prayer must be. We strategize. And we plan. And with tremendous effort, we try to line up help from other people. And we manipulate. And we scheme. And when it comes to our problems, we hope. And we try things one after another to change an impossible situation. And and we end up exhausted. And we end up ashamed and disappointed. And we resign ourselves at the end of the day and say, Well, I guess I just got to live with it. Just pray. Pray. And you can stop all the scheming. Just pray. Remember the old song that says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Just pray. I want to build your faith up before we leave. Yesterday in our men's breakfast, Uh, And it was a pretty raucous affair, by the way. Uh, Things got a little bit out of hand at one point. Uh, We had boys going under the table and doing some crazy stuff. But we looked at several verses, and I want to build your faith with those verses, all in the book of John. I want you to turn there, and I hope you brought a pen, because I want you to mark these or write them down. I want you to do what I'm doing in these days. I've written them all out longhand so they'll stay in my mind. And I'm looking at them every day. And they all talk about the same thing. Comes from the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter of John's Gospel. That is the last time Jesus will talk to anybody before he is arrested, tormented, and crucified. And so on this final night, 14, 15, 16 of John. In 17, he prays the high priestly prayer, and then he goes on to the cross. But in 14, 15, 16, there is a theme that he hammers over and over and over again. I want you to see it. I want you to look in chapter 14. Look in verse 12. Jesus talking on that last night. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And then he repeats it again in verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. But he doesn't end there. Because a few moments later, over in chapter 15, Verse 7, if you abide in me, if you live in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. Just by our asking, it glorifies God. It lifts God up. It makes God known. It pleases the heart of God just by asking and somehow it makes Him known. Does it make Him known to the powers of heaven? Does it make Him known to the demonic forces? I don't know. But somebody is watching and it glorifies God. It lifts Him up. It makes Him known just when we ask. And so He says again, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All is a big word. But a moment later in verse 16, He's at it again. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Whatever you ask in my name, He'll give it to you. But he's not nearly finished. Chapter 16, verse 23 And that day, you'll not question me about anything. Truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. Do you hear what He's saying? What an incredible promise He makes here! It's almost beyond belief what He's saying. We can try and explain it away any way we want. But he said six times, and now he'll say it a seventh. Ask for anything, and I'll do it. Look at verse 26. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I don't say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. We won't even need to do that. For the Father himself loves you. He will do it. You'll be talking directly with him. That should build our faith. It's obvious that Jesus' great desire is that we ask much and we ask big. All things, he says, whatever your impossible thing is, whether it's finances or health or family or relationships or job, whatever it is, ask him. Ask him. And he says, I'll do it. And he didn't say it once. He said it seven times in the space of a few moments. Ask and I'll do it. He wants us to ask. He wants us to ask much. He wants us to ask big. You you can't say Jesus' words aren't true. He said it seven times. We can't miss it. Our asking, he says, brings him glory. It it brings him honor. It makes him known. Do, Do you doubt God when he says prayer works? I know you don't. Nobody would. Nobody would say they doubt God. But this is a case where actions will speak louder than words. So don't doubt his love. Don't doubt his power. Don't doubt his wisdom. You you cannot be afraid that he will fail the test. When he says, ask me and I'll do it, he won't. So don't put off for a more convenient time when the kingdom of God can be had for the asking huh. again this is a case where actions what we do speaks louder than what we say pray pray we just finished 40 days of prayer let that become life everything depends on prayer think about it your peace your finances, your victories, your kids, your future, your health, your sanity. It all depends on prayer. Pray, pray to this one who says, I'll do it. If you'll just ask, pray. You know, I've spent time with this today so that neither of us, you nor I, have an experience that will go something like this. I don't want us to have regrets that we didn't pray. When so much can be had just for the asking, ask anything in my name, I'll do it. That your joy may be filled, that the the Father may be glorified. We don't want to be prayerless. You see, I have a feeling that there is a time coming, there will be a moment in eternity when we will look back over our life here. And we will be evaluating. And I don't want us on that day to look back on our life and, and have the thing that we are most amazed about, about ourselves be That prayer was so powerful and I was so prayerless. You see? I want to have some other regret, maybe, but not that one. Not when prayer is so powerful and God is so generous. I don't want to have a day where I look back and say, it really was powerful and I really was prayerless when it's so easy to pray and ask him for whatever we need. You've been listening to a slightly inspired message from Fairfax Assembly, a different kind of church in Bakersfield, California. Find out more at www.fairfaxassembly.com.